You're tuned in to Kelly Talks, where comedian writer Kelly Howard, that would be me, <laughs> chat with other artists about crazy happenings along their creative journey, life-changing events from dope Dylan to prison time, or trying to tell jokes while caring for a child with leukemia, or being kidnapped by your own mother. Sometimes just processing life has to be done creatively, and that's what we'll talk about right here, right now. I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. I'm so excited. Me too. How many podcasts have you done? Have you done a lot of podcasts? Uh, Maybe like five. Five. Oh, so you a fucking experienced podcast? Oh yeah, I just I love talking. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I uh, I kind of got that when we met. Also, I think uh, I've been smoking a lot more weed, which I think has opened my mind to different ways of thinking. So I really do love talking and just really? being like, "How do you think? How do I think? Oh, we think differently. Let's talk about it." Oh my god! So you smoke a lot of weed? Uh, I smoke a lot. Not a lot, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm just gonna stop trying to fix this shit. Yeah, I smoke a lot of weed. I do. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, I feel like weed has become this thing lately. It's like I don't want to say it's almost as if it, it's like accepted, but still not really. And you have your group of people, you got all these people that love it, that smoke it, and then you got that group of people that don't, and you're not sure how to approach it, even yes. though you care about it. You're like, I, this is something I do, and I'm fine with it. Just like I, people that drink, right? They drink, and they're okay with it, and it's not a thing. But I bet back, like, I don't know, however many years ago, when it wasn't socially acceptable for, like, women to drink, like, or, like, people to do, exactly. It's like, and it was looked at, a certain, I feel like weed is in that phase. Of, it is. Because, yeah. like, I forget that weed's not legal everywhere. Yeah. And so when I'm like, have it, and I'll be like, oh shit, this is not legal right now in this state. In this particular like, location. <laughs> yesterday, I was in a different state, and we were just like, yeah! <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Where were you at yesterday? Uh, like, that was, like, I was here, but I'm just saying, like, in, like, when I was in Los Angeles, I was like, just like smoking weed freely. And yeah. then the next day, I'd be like, in Chicago, and I'd be like, fuck, it's, it's different. It's not here. Le- yeah. Like, like if I get pulled over right now, the amount of weed I have can get me in trouble. Yeah, it, it's crazy how what small such small small amounts such small amounts can be like a felony. Because mm-hmm. it's such because of the class, I think it's a class one drug or something like that. Which or- is stupid because like that's like that in a certain place, but then you go to like Colorado, D.C., and you're like, how is this like recreationally yeah. legal here, but in Chicago, I can literally go to jail. We can probably stop murders in Chicago if we legalize weed. Oh, for sure. Like, I see that being a big deal. Uh, me, I, I I can't talk that much about 
the legalization process because I have a medical marijuana card uh, in the state of Illinois. I know. So I'd be turned up a little bit and I don't care as much. But I do kind of get, I think I get big headed with my shit. Like I'd be like, I'll be walking down the street smoking a joint and people be like, you're not worried. And I'm like, I got a motherfucking card. But I do think it's still illegal to smoke it outside. Like I think I'm supposed to be in the privacy I'm of sure my I'm sure there are some like rules <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> fuck I'm it. Just not but I got adhering. this card though. Like what you gonna do? Trust I me, have bro. been just like out there with my card um, and I'll like travel like when I drove to Atlanta or when I drove to Michigan I was like I don't give a shit I got this in my car he's like well if you get pulled over I'm like it don't matter I got a card and they was like yeah but you can't take it across state lines yeah like that car is in Illinois that, right it is, like, you're in a completely different state and you're like oh right right but uh, am I supposed to leave my vitamins at home if I'm traveling right it's I mean, medication I'm just saying I um <laughs> when I was in Vegas I went to Vegas for a very long time for like a dance competition it was like 11 days long. It was too long to be in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> 11 days for a dance competition. I was like, yeah, this is trash. Uh, and then when I came back to Chicago, I just forgot that like you can't drink alcohol outside. Outside. And so I was like, yeah. oh, I got really used to just being like, I need a drink. Let me walk down the street and just be like, uh. <laughs> open carry laws are also stupid. Oh, my God. So not, many crazy not, laws. Not, not open carry laws. That's about guns. Open container laws. Open container <laughs> laws. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> open carry laws are just so dumb. I was like, and that's how we transition into guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, y'all, that voice you've been hearing is Dwayne Perkins here on Kelly Talks. I am so excited that he's decided to sit down and talk to me. He is a comedian, improv uh, artist, dancer here in Chicago, um, well, based in Chicago. You guys probably seen him on Wild and Out. Um, you may have seen some of his videos online because he does a lot of great videos. He also review movies, which I think is pretty fucking dope. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, he's just dope as hell. His pictures are amazing because he does photography. Um, and in his own words, he being gay really well, like that's one of the things he does <laughs> in his it's own words. <laughs> it's a skill, <laughs> apparently. But um, he's just a phenomenal guy, and I'm really excited to have this opportunity to sit down and talk to him so hey Dwayne so you are I just want to talk a little bit more about your upbringing before we get into your career uh so you're from Chicago yeah yes I grew up on the south side of Chicago um right around Marquette Park so like 67th and Western uh but my school was on the southwest side so like 47th and Cicero okay um I think it's funny that like when you're from Chicago, you don't necessarily be like, oh, this is the neighborhood. You're like, no, this is across the, the like, cross yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is like what that is. <laughs> You're from that corner. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> that area. I'm like, cor- like, <laughs> like, corners matter. Um, they do. So I grew up like there. Cause my Side grandma- note, my husband has his corners tattooed on his, on his, on his whatever this is <laughs> whatever the, the, the part. spot between your thumb and your point of Your finger. thumb and your point of finger. He has his corners back from when he was in the street it's crazy corners fucking matter they really do they do so tell me about your corners (laughs) uh so my my corner was 67 the western um that's where i caught the bus to go to school and then my other corner was like 47th and lacrosse that's where my grandmother's house was and uh, her house was in the neighborhood of the school that i grew up in so um it was like a very weird situation because my family was like really big into how do I say this graciously? Like my grandmother's house was kind of like the trap house, like the very popular trap house <laughs> oh, of <no>. the <laughs> neighborhood. And I was... Granny's house? Yeah, shit, shit was lit <laughs> Turn up. constantly. I cannot tell you how many times we'd be like chilling and we would just get raided by cops and me being like, yo, this is so normal. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I grew up like in that neighborhood around those environments. Um, my parents 
also grew up there. So like my family has like a very um, like similar upbringing. Like we all went to the same like elementary school. We all went, went to the same high school. Really? Yeah, we went to uh, her school, which is on 47th and Lamont, Lacrosse, one of those streets over there. Um, and then we all went to Curie High School. Like from my parents to my little sister, like we just all went to the same school. And then all of my sisters went to the same college. Oh, wow. And then I was like, I'm not doing that shit. You I, said, fuck I, this. I, I, I was like, no. I was like, yeah. <laughs> what legacy are we leaving? I was exactly? like, let me break this stupid <laughs> chain because I don't get it. What do your parents do? What did they do? Uh, my, my mother, she owns a daycare and my okay. father's a electrician. Were you? Did you come from a two-parent home? Uh, I did until they got divorced when I was in sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then it was just my mother. And then my father got remarried. Okay. So I have a stepmother and step siblings, which I'm taught to. <laughs> That's really weird. It's so interesting how if it gets if it happens on the dad side, you usually don't connect that much as if it happens with mom. That's funny. So you decided to break that chain. You was like, I'm not. Yeah, I was like, because uh, in high school was when I came out, my senior year in high school, and I remember just thinking like I needed to explore like who I was now that I had the freedom to be me mm-hmm. without uh, the like without like my family being around because I didn't like I just needed to like make my own mark in life uh, and also the school that they all went to I just didn't want to go there did you find yourself pretending to be more like what you think your family wanted you to be up until that point and that's why you needed to or did you kind of always come from like I feel like you're such an individual like you're so you're so comfortable with who you are and you don't mask that at all ever. <laughs> so I can't imagine a younger you not doing that. Uh, no, I was and I had I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who I was. So like my freshman year. So when I was young, I was like pretty small. I was like a very small person. I was pretty like feminine. physically. Yeah, like physically small. Uh, until high school, like I think my freshman year in high school, I was like four eight, like an insane. Like I was like very very small, and I had like an insane growth spurt. I'll show you. A yeah, because you're taller later. than me now. I'll show you a picture. <laughs> like so I look like a small child, um, <laughs> and I got like bullied. Also, I had a speech impediment. I had like a very bad st- stutter, so I had like speech therapy for like fifteen years. Oh wow! And so like all of that compiled to like me going to high school. In my freshman year, I was like, oh, I'm gonna reinvent myself. So that I can become a person that's likable. So like, like, so this is the, like, I can shed all of the like shittiness from like eighth grade. Like middle school was trash. So I was like, high school is new. I'm gonna like become this new person. So I joined like the football team. It was like I'm gonna be a jock because those are who popular. And then uh, I hated it. I At that like, point, did you know that you were? Yeah, I knew that I was gay like pretty early on. But I was like, oh. Uh, I'm also black, so like you can't be both because like you'll die. <laughs> like that's just like how the world that's works. That's so terrible, <laughs> but it's so true in a lot of places. <laughs> I was like, oh, I already have a hard time. Um, so yeah, so I was like on on the football team, and I was like, I'm going to just force myself to be the kind of black man I know that people like. And wow. then I was so unhappy. I just did not care about football. How I, could like, you be? I was like, this. Is, I don't care. And I remember one of the like. Uh, most like bigger moments in that time period was when we like played a game and we lost and everybody was crying and I wasn't and people assumed that I would be like the most emotional because I was like the most gay (laughs) and I was like 
guys, I don't care about this at all. I was like, why are you crying? This doesn't matter. <laughs> like, this <laughs> it's is, just, we just lost a fucking like, game. We lost. <laughs> be better. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, be I don't, better. Like, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, this, is, this isn't for me. I got to quit. So I quit. And then my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out something else to do. So I became a dancer. And I was like, oh, this is too gay for me. I'm not ready. To, <laughs> I'm, not I'm like, I'm not ready to embrace this much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to pull it back from this as well. <laughs> and so I stopped doing that because I was like, uh, I, I, I'm not ready to accept this part of me yet. And then my junior year, I found um, improv where I was like, okay, I can do this. So I started doing improv, which was very fun because... That's a nice balance between, like... (laughs) That is, though. It's so sad, but it's so true. I I was like, it's still pretty extra, but, like, not as gay as, like, me popping my ass. Um, (laughs) And so I did that. I I started doing, like, plays and, like, musicals. And that was, like, something that I really gravitated toward. Mm -hmm. Because Weird story. When I was younger, and I... Like, I couldn't talk for a long time. So I was just, like, a very internal person. But I was also just, like, obsessed with being smart. Mm-hmm. Because I was always told, like, as a black man, to succeed, you have to be, like, the best. Yeah. And I was like, I love being the best. Like, beat all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and so even though, like, I could not speak, whenever the teacher would, like, ask who knew the answer, I'd be like, me. So I'd try to talk. And my classmates would be so mad. Like, oh, it's going to take forever. Like, uh, like why like why do you volunteer? No. And I was like, because I like letting everybody know that I'm smarter than you. Like, sure, I can't talk, but I'm smarter than all of you. And then wow. one day we were like reading some play. And the teacher was like, oh, who wants to read this part? And I raised my hand and everybody was like, boo, no, don't pick him. This is going to take forever. And then she picked me and then I like read it. And for the first time, like I just did not stutter. Like I read the whole thing perfectly. And everybody was like, what the fuck just happened? Nice. And I was like, I don't know. And now, that, was that with speech therapy at al- already, or you... I was having speech therapy. Like, I've had the speech therapy since, like, kindergarten. Oh, okay. Until, like, my senior year in high school. Like, it was... And then I had more, like, in my college life just to, like... Make well, sure. Yeah, to be like, I want to do this professionally. Yeah. I just have to be the best. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that when I wasn't myself... I didn't stutter. So, like, when I was, like, singing, when I was, like, acting, like, whenever I had a role, like, if the words were not mine, I just didn't stutter. And I was like, that's weird. Because um, in the study of, like, that whole art, like, that, that whole, like, thing, is that, like, there isn't a scientific trigger for a stutter. It's based on each person. Mm-hmm. So, like, nobody can figure out how it starts or how it ends. I wonder if that was a... Con- it sounds to me like it was more of a confidence thing. It was just like you felt more empowered to be these other people or these other characters versus when you were yourself, you sm- felt small. It is. I, I felt like throughout my life... So, like, the, the therapy that I had was both speech and also just, like, regular therapy because the speech was connected to my... Um, like my way of thinking. Yeah. And I started the most in situations where my anxiety were high. Mm-hmm. So like in situations with like uh, big groups of people, situations where I'm meeting new people mm-hmm. and my fear of like, uh, so like my, my fear would trigger the stutter and then the stutter would keep going. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to keep doing this so it was like this weird pattern of it was like the cycle. I'm <laughs> going to stutter so I'm afraid that I'm going to stutter therefore I'm going to stutter but if I like it was like this weird yeah cyclical thing of like well how do I talk then 
And then uh, once I became more like confident, uh, I think like getting older and finding like who I was allowed me to be more confident in what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's one of the reasons why I don't filter myself that much, but because for so long I couldn't actually speak. So now I'm like, I'm gonna say whatever I want, and you're not gonna tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that really leads and like feeds into who I am as a person now. It's just like the freedom of being able to to express myself is it wasn't a privilege I had for a very long time. So when I actually gained the like power to actually be able to express myself vocally, uh, I just like took advantage of it and was like, okay, I will never ever not be who I am. So that started your junior year yeah. when, in improv. Now you also lost a best friend in high school. I was that did. was that around the same time or was that? It was my junior year, yeah. Your junior it, it, year. It was, it was the same year. Um and I think that also had a big impact. Um, so my best friend, when I was 16, like I was talking to him one day, then he went home, and then the next day there was like a news report of somebody from our school dying. I was like, ooh. News report as far as like a killing or? No, in terms of like um, they said that somebody got hit by a train. Like, oh, wow. And throughout the day it was just like, oh, a boy got hit by a train. I was like, all right, whatever. Like people die all the time. And then I remember walking in the hall, seeing my girlfriend. She was crying, and I was like, "Why are you crying?" She oh, so you like, still didn't know? Yeah, and and she was like, "Oh, that person was Octavio," and I was like, "What? That's it couldn't be. I just saw him yesterday." Yeah, and then uh, he he died, and I went to his funeral, and it was probably like the hardest thing up to that point in my life that I've ever had to deal with. Because mm-hmm. in my head, there was just never it was never personal. Like I've never had a personal death that close like up until that point all the people that ever died in my life were like old right and i was like yeah like once you get old you die and i never thought that like it's just how it works yeah. yeah and so being that age i was like we still have so much life to live i don't think about death and that kind of like woke me up to where i was like oh no yeah anybody in my life could die at any moment and it like was pretty bad like i was like in like a pretty deep dip- depression for like quite a bit of time um, but, like, once I got past it, I feel like it really opened me up to, like, accept life. And be like, well, he didn't get a chance to live life, so I have to, like, live life to the fullest because, like, we would talk about, like, going to college and like, all this other stuff. And just to see that cut off so short. For him, yeah. I was just like, I have to not be, like, I have to come out. I have to, like, live a life worth living because if I died tomorrow... I'd be living a lie. So, like, none of this is even, like, worth anything. So, after that, you just started... Did you... You said you went through a period of depression. After you came out of that is when you decided to just live to the fullest. Yeah, because I think at that point, like, being that age and being, like, who I was and, like, having to force myself to, like, think about, like, why I felt so strongly about this. Like, I was just, like, having to explore a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I think it was, like... I think I was, like, partially, like, in love with him, but in, like, a way I couldn't ex- explain. Was he also gay? No. Uh, and so it was, like, I had this, like, up until that point, I didn't have a lot of guy friends. Okay. And he was a person that was, like, very, like, open and loving without being afraid that, like, oh, he's... Trying to be with me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just something that I was, like, this is a very special person. Mm-hmm. Um and it just, like, ruined me to, like, lose a person that, like, represented 
how I wanted everybody to be. It's just yeah. like just like you can love somebody and not have it be like weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So from that point on, I was like, I just have to like f- 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 like really figure out life and don't don't just like l- live day to day, but really like think about like what I want, what I want to do, who do I want to be. Like, yeah. I start to see life as like a finite like project just being like I have I don't know how much time I have but I have to like do something because mm-hmm. I like growing up I just saw so many people just like not taking a hold of their life just like letting whatever happens happens and I'm like you have so much more power than you think than you think so yeah. just like do what you want and if you don't get it at least you like try it like that's yeah that's amazing um that's, that's very powerful. When I was 16 years old, that's when I lost my son, my my first child. And um, at that age, it's hard to articulate emotions, especially if you were not raised in an emotionally healthy household yes. that talked about that kind of stuff where you sat down and expressed your feelings. You, I mean, I, I came from a household where children are to be seen, not heard. And when you come up in that way you want to express what's going on in your head because you don't know if these thoughts are valid (laughs) but if you can't then you start to make them valid. you start to rationalize your thoughts like this makes sense that I'm feeling this way because of xyz and sometimes you need to voice that that's why it was beautiful that you were able to go through therapy and you had that support because I'm pretty sure that that therapy helped Mm -hmm. I mean during that time as well it did I think I was just talking to a friend about this about uh, about trauma and how there is a thing within black culture that I feel is changing and I'm so glad that it is yes. and I need it to change more is the idea that emotions are negative mm-hmm. that like feeling is bad Yeah, and I think it's so unhealthy to like not feel things and my family is I think we're like growing out of that because of me first of all I have a lot of feelings <laughs> and I would just like express <laughs> them I'm like feelings like that that's the thing that literally makes us human. Mm-hmm. So it would be so dumb to ignore it because then you're just like a robot. Like you're not feeling anything. And my family's the kind of people that like something would happen, and instead of being like, let's talk about this, they would they would just be like, let's just push this down. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but that's not like why. Like for Christmas, uh, we like were like hanging out, and I was like, hey guys, I have a speech, and they were like, what? <laughs> I have a speech, and I was like, yeah, I had a lot of feelings in 2017. I want to share them with you so you know, like who I am and it was just like me being like oh thank you for doing this thank you for doing this I acknowledge that this happened oh this happened these are my feelings for the year this is what I hope to gain from 2018 and then I got done and they're like oh that's so nice and then we just like moved on and I was like and there's nobody else gonna share nobody they're like no no why <laughs> would we why would we talk about what we feel we do that behind closed doors with our mate about Truly. you and I was like but that's not fun yeah <laughs> like, I'm like uh, when I turned 25, <clears throat> I made a promise to myself that I would be as transparent as possible mm-hmm. because I just I, I think that a lot of problems come from uh, assumptions and people just like not actually being straight up. Not saying what you need yeah. or what you want or then what I'm you like, feel. Yeah. If you know exactly how I feel, like I don't like gray area because I'm like, if you know exactly how I feel, then like, you know how to re- respond. Mm-hmm. And like I. And then I just feel better about my life, like to be like, I said what I needed to say and that's that. And I don't feel like a lot of baggage. I don't leave most situations wishing I said something. Yeah. So I'm like, I said what I wanted to say 
And then that's like what it is. And I also think that people think that yes and no are like vastly different. And in my head, I'm like, they share the same amount of value. Like a yes and a no should be held to the same standard. Like if you ask me to do something and I say no, you can't get mad. Yeah. Like as humans, <clears throat> I realize that like choice matters. And I don't like doing certain stuff. And I've come to terms with like, I can't judge people's choices because like their it's their life. Like time is finite. You can do whatever you want with your time. So if if I like ask somebody to, to do something, they're like, I don't want to, I'm like, for sure. Like that's cool because that's your time. Yeah, I'm like, that you, you don't I'm like you get to pick. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you what to do with your time. Right. Yeah. Like, uh and I feel the way about the people you surround yourself with too. And I'm like, I don't have to entertain people who aren't my friends and that's and it's getting like weird not weird like i had to like learn and like sit down and really like meditate on like what what a fan is Mm -hmm. and like what that means and like we're just like i never thought that i had fans until i had fans and i was like oh i don't know how to process this yeah i have to like mentally figure out how to distribute my energy Uh because um like three P is like pretty popular in Chicago. And like after our shows, we stand in the hallway and we thank people. And it's a weird sensation because it's these people who just watch you perform. You're talking about yourself. Like they see you with your friends. They, you are creating this environment of like openness and friendliness, which is like great for a performance. And then once that's over, you get off stage and these people feel like they know you, mm-hmm. which is like great. But it's also, strange because they're because you don't know them yeah and so they talk to you in a way where they're expecting something that you don't necessarily have or like want to give mm-hmm. where it's like i just performed on stage for a very long time like i don't mind talking to anybody but i think is i've had people tell me that i was standoffish because i would be in a space and not talk to people and it's and it wasn't like I was like oh no I don't want to talk to people it's just like oh no I just don't know anyone I've gotten that from you <laughs> from being in the same room but I don't think we really knew each other on that level where we could have a conversation and I don't feel like everybody understands that people want to be with everybody right they get in the space and they're like talk to me and we should know each other and we should powwow and it's like sometimes it's not that sometimes I do need to be over here and figure out exactly how to approach this room or these people or deal with anyone on that level unless we personally know each other unless we're best friends yeah you know what like, I mean if like, I don't it's like hard <laughs> yeah it is and and being a stand-up I get a lot of people because I share my life publicly on stage mm-hmm. and a lot Same. of people come up to me and they're like oh my god girl and I followed your video and oh my god remember that and sometimes people will recite back to me things that I don't even remember saying from previous situations like oh and remember this as if we're buddies and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And I kind of give them a smile. But at a certain point, you do have to disconnect and let people know, like, look, this ain't where it's at. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, which is so weird because, like, I did stand up and it, like, it was a great show. I felt really good about it. Then afterwards, I had a bunch of people. And I feel like most of the people that enjoy me the most are women. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's a weird sensation to have like a group of women come up to you and be like, <laughs> you're my new gay best friend. And me being like, hey, I'm actually like, a nuanced person with a lot of depth. I'm not just like being on stage like that. That's sure. I'm talking about my life, but like, I'm not just like when I'm like, I'm a normal person and they come to me expecting me to give them the stage me where I'm like, I'm performing. 
in normal life, I don't perform. And to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are like, perform. Like, it feels like they want the the conversation to be performative. And I'm like, but that's, this is not a performance. This is just me as a person. Yeah. And I'm not, like, I'm just like a normal human being. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, what you want from me. Yeah. And then there's people who want, like, the friend energy. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, friends are friends because, like, we've, be like, there's, there, there there's a journey there like yeah. we've gone through things we've talked like they know who i am i know who they are i'm very good at small talk but also i don't want people to think that small talk is more than that yeah and like if somebody approaches me and they're like oh i would love to get to know you better i'm like oh well that's a good way to let me know where this conversation's going like it's very different from somebody being like oh i'm interested in you as a person Let's get to know each other versus somebody being like a fan. Be on. Perform. Perform. Yeah. Perform. Perform. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to like I'm tired all the time. <laughs> like <laughs> life is hard. Like life is happening. Once you get off stage, you're like it, it it's a weird thing to balance. Like, oh, this is a job for me. Mm-hmm. And then see what it is for people where where they're like, Oh, like nobody goes to their like to their lawyer and, and they're like Talk law. (laughs) I feel like over time it gets easier. Uh, I know as a stand up, it's gotten easier with that because then you know how to gauge it. Like you have, I'll get off stage, and if I'm not in the mood to continue on, because that that is what they expect. They're fans, right? They expect you to continue on. If if you're not in the mood to do that, I just don't come downstairs. I just don't come and engage with them. I'm like, okay, I'm out. I'm going back here in the green room, and this is where I'm going to be because I don't feel like doing that. But then some days I'm still like in yeah, geek like, mode i'm ready to talk key. i'm you ready like, to let's, like let's get oh, it and yeah. then i'll go out there and i'll engage and i'll talk and i'll even create new jokes because we're powwowing back and yeah. forth and they're laughing which is telling me this is material that could work in another setting because you're laughing now so it just yeah i think it gets easier um that's funny though that you say that you're you're a celebrity now you gotta like, <laughs> you gotta the way you're you're wilding out you've been doing big shit you got three p y'all touring you i mean i'm saying and it's like and it's weird cuz i don't <laughs> think i'm a celebrity at all. like i i and i think this is i talked to lisa about this um and we were talking about how as black artists the standard we hold ourselves to is so high oh god that so much higher <laughs> that when we do achieve things that people like outside of the industry see and they're like oh you're famous now like you're doing stuff and we're like that's not even like a thing that we thought would ha-. like Wild and I was never something that I planned it wasn't something I wanted necessarily it was just like oh here's an opportunity that presented itself sure like let's do it like I'll do my best but it and the response of it was like oh you did this thing and I was like yeah but but my actual goals are these things and because I'm not there yet I'm not seeing myself as like successful. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. The, but people would imbue that on you. And it makes me so uncomfortable and like a child shy way of like, what? <laughs> like you think that of me? Like, so I'm trying to like take this year and really like f- be okay with like achieving stuff and being like, you've done stuff like in 2000. Embrace your worth. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. Cause my manager, uh, we have the same manager. Yes, Brooke. Um, <laughs> she messaged me at, at the end of last year and she was like, Oh, Merry Christmas. Like I, I just want to like let you know all the things you've achieved this year. And she like wrote down like all the things that I've done. 
and I was like, yo, I was just sitting here thinking like, man, I didn't do nothing this year. Like, why am I not further uh, along in this journey? And then when she emailed me, I was like, yo, Dwayne, you have to like give yourself some That's like, amazing. Some like, credit that yeah. you, like, you've done something. Like, you're not just out here doing nothing. Exactly. Of course, like you want more because like my ambition is insane. I like want to like own the world. And so I'm, I'm still just like, I can't have time to like celebrate these small things. I got to keep going. And but see that you'll catch burnout like that. Yes, because you it, will. It, it, it drives you insane to think that what you have to revel in the beauty of what you're in right now. You know what I mean? Because the only yeah. thing that really exists is now. Mm-hmm. Like what you have to do later doesn't exist yet. It's just not, it's not hey, real. Girl. You, you know what I mean? It's not real. It's <laughs> it the only thing not. that matters right now is this conversation that we're having right now mm-hmm. on this podcast and understanding that the beauty, even in this moment, right, is so big and so fresh and so free and we're learning so much and we're, and, and we're seeing things from different perspectives just from this conversation is amazing. And when we start looking at the little things in our life like that, I think is when we really start to appreciate how far we've come you know for her to send you that email and say like look at all these amazing things you've done that's freaking it was timely and needed because like that was right around the time where i came back here i live in new york now but but i was like i can't be there like i need to recharge because i'm 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 done like i'm burnt out i don't have yeah i felt dead inside because you're holding yourself to this high ass standard versus saying i'm doing well and it's all a work in progress you and it's so funny when i listen to you and i think it's just because i mean you're young you're still learning you're still getting there i'm 11 years older than you and i look at uh your your ideas about like oh man and I just take you know I didn't look at this while and out as being a big thing because it's just a part of my journey it's something to do I did it and that's such a profound thought to have at that age is like this is just a part of my job this is a part of what I like to do and it's something fun to do I didn't look at it as in like this life-changing event because even that can be just as damaging as not looking at it as a big deal at all. You have those people that look at an opportunity like that as being the opportunity that's going to make them, that's going to make them into who they want to become. And when you have an attitude like that, you go into all these these situations with these high expectations of what they're going to do for you. And then when you don't get that from them, now you failed yourself yet again mm-hmm. versus you are walking into this situation. Like it's just something fun to do. And I'm just going to give my all and have fun with it and do it. Yeah. I, I Which think- is probably what made it a great experience for you versus somebody else going in, expecting something bigger yeah, and not getting it. I think like, I, I wish there was like a more positive term for jaded, like uh, because <laughs> as soon as you say it, Jada is just jaded. It's yeah, it's up. just like it's uh, like I don't necessarily feel jaded. Like I don't feel like the negative aspects of being jaded, but I feel jaded in a sense of like I've experienced things that I thought would be something, and then they were something else. And I've been like, oh yeah, there's like bullshit at every level of everything, mm-hmm. and I've just like come to terms with like I can't expect anything from anyone. I have no assumptions like the only thing i can do is like do my best and then like everything else like doesn't matter but i feel it in a freeing way and not like nothing matters but like nothing matters so like i can literally just like do whatever and then like i can try my hardest to control what i can yeah just hope for the best (laughs) because like there's so many 
parts in this journey that are literally just like a person saying yes that you have no control yeah it's just like that's not up to me i'm not in their head it's not about my skill set it's not about whether or not i'm funny or if i'm attractive or whether or not they like gay or they don't like gay it has nothing to do with that and maybe it does but that's their own shit you know what i'm I'm saying it has nothing to do with you either way my mother she called me maybe like in the middle of last year and she loves to give me like advice and is very like loving as a mother but also like the logical side of me is like girl you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> like, like you ain't in this <laughs> you don't know what's like girl and like basically her argument was that i was too like militant for white people like my like politics like my stance on i don't see that like, at all when i see you deal with white uh, people. <laughs> and then it's because like on i i i have a very strong opinion on whiteness i think it's the devil <laughs> and i don't and i'm not very shy about being like yo white people why y'all trash uh and then she said i was too smart for black people they're like my basically she was like you're too black. damn mama so what's up with the rest of the black people are she, we not <laughs> she was saying that, that i'm basically too black for the white people but like too white for the black people mm-hmm. um and i was like girl that means I'm the bridge between the two. <laughs> I'm like, do you not see? Like, I love that. And, and and I think that's like what I'm trying to push out and convince people is that like, yeah, I'm black and gay. And to be real, like gayness is very white. Like most gay things in society are seen through like a white lens. Okay. And um, I mean, even, I was just about to say define what do you mean? It's very white as if blacks can't be gay. But no. it's just the way that it's perceived yes. is through the white lens. Yes. Um, yeah. The way that gayness is presented in public is yeah. very white. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, even if you look at TV, if, if you look at comedy, if you like black gay comedy doesn't exist pretty much. Like, yeah. It's a, like there's a huge void. If you look and then like being a black gay man is a very weird thing because especially like within like this industry Mm -hmm. because like being a black man is very like you're masculine like there's like there's a type and even in in comedy it's very homophobic and misogynistic and then gayness is welcome to my world (laughs) 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 and then gayness is seen as like feminine very white just like reference heavy like all that like most gay men that i know are just like white gay men who like talk about a lot of obscure white women and it's just like a very weird they're very set like they're like polar like um opposites and so for me i think my whole like brand is just like hey i'm black and i'm gay when you combine them i'm just special like it like this doesn't separate me from either of these groups it connects me to both groups in very different ways Mm -hmm. so like when i'm around like black men I'm like, hey, guys, don't forget <clears throat> that I'm still a black man. And then when I'm around, like, gay people, I'm like, hey, don't forget that I'm black. Like, I'm not going to sit here and let you be homophobic. I'm not going to sit here and let you be racist. So, like, that's what that is. And I think people expect me to be, like, like weirdly, I am more militant than people think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it comes from that, like, South Side growing up of, like, I've always had to say what I meant so, so for people to take me serious because they're like, oh, you're that little gay boy. You don't matter. And I'm like, oh, no, I have to, like, prove to you that I'm going to take up space. 
in my stand-up, I have a joke about how I tried to kill somebody in third grade because he was bullying me, and I was like, you got to die. Like, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> and then I got arrested. It was, a, it was a whole thing. And when I talk about it on stage, people like think I'm just like joking. They're like, oh, these are funny jokes. And my sisters came to see the show, and I was doing stand-up. And I told that joke, and afterwards, we were like in a group of people, and somebody was like, "Oh, that joke was so funny," and they were like, "Oh no, like we were, like this is a very true thing. Like it was he tried to kill somebody because he was like, and I was like, yeah, like <laughs> I just don't, oh I don't like being bullied. Like the, and I feel like I don't think anybody likes being bullied, but that definitely is an extreme way to deal with it. <laughs> it. I mean, I was like very young. It was like, like, and it was like, it was a very dramatic way of doing like it was never going to actually happen <laughs> clearly but i had to like send a message of like hey don't bully me because i'm gonna bring garden shares to school and try to stab you like and that's when you know that like it wasn't like that big of a deal because like i was a small child holding garden shears that and, were the same height as you <laughs> yeah pretty much and i was like this is stupid like if somebody saw that they would think like oh we should like this is a problem but we can see that he's, like, trying to find a way to, like, just stop the bullying. Yeah. And the system still, like, didn't work. They weren't like, hey, we should do something about bullying. They were like, hey, don't do that. And I was like, well, can somebody help me? Because I'm t- like, I've been saying that I've been being bullied for a long time and no one's doing anything. So what do you expect? Yeah. Am I just to deal with it? And, like, and then what do you think the implications of, like, constant trauma is going to do for me in my future? Yeah. Um, Were you thinking that? If, <laughs> I was. It's like, so I am thinking about my future, like, um, and I need somebody to protect. Because I'm like, excuse me, I'm only in third grade. Like, I have so much school left. Like, I don't oh understand. My God. When I was in eighth grade, I wrote my eighth grade teacher a note on how she should be a better teacher because I was like, these are the things I'm experiencing, um, and I've told you about it. You've done nothing. You need, and she like, she cursed me out. Oh my god! And she was like, "I have a PhD," and I was like, "But like, as one of your students, I think my <laughs> opinion should matter." <laughs> so, like, you don't have to take my notes, but I think you should think about them. Oh my god, that is hilarious! Well, we are approaching uh, basically the end of the podcast. This has been one interesting conversation. I didn't even get a chance to ask half my questions because you're just so talkative, but I love it. I love it so much because you said a lot of great stuff that I think that people need to hear. Um, especially in just how you look at life and um, not taking things so seriously and all of that stuff. I think that's very powerful. So um, thank you. Thank you. I also do this thing at the end, which is the four and four, which is four questions in four minutes. They're not directly related to um, you per se, but they are, let me start the timer. They are, related to you that was weird They're, they are like it's okay i'm just gonna ask them and you rate the fuck out of them where you want to rate them but just answer the question <laughs> okay so we got four minutes i'm gonna start the timer and here we go are you spiritual or religious and what's the difference between the two in your opinion uh i'm more spiritual than religious i think uh spiritual is based off um like morals and values and i feel like Religion is based around a structural set of rules that uh, you have to follow. And I don't think you have to follow rules. I think you should follow, um, like, goals of being a better person. Yeah, cool. I definitely think the structure and rules uh, would be hard for you as a gay man because most churches are still 
Yeah, I mean, my family stopped going to church because they were saying I asked too many questions and it was embarrassing. And it was, <laughs> he's like, I need to know what. I was like, uh, I don't like any of this. Like, why would I come here? <laughs> oh my God. If you could sit down and have a conversation with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? It would be Jesus Christ. Um, because I think that there's a large period of his life that's not talked about. And I would want to know, like, like his thoughts, like his personality, and really compare that to how religion try to sell it to be like, oh, because like as a human being, I can assume Jesus also was as complex as a human, but the idea of him is so um, symbolic that nobody yeah. ever like sees the personality of Jesus, and I'm just very intrigued by that. Interesting. Um, wow, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, what is so? I've never, I just never expected somebody to be like Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus. I got questions about his life. I want to know who did he have a crush on right? when he was 15. Because I like, know it's real. I know right? it's real. I'm like, so, what was your favorite activity? <laughs> like, what did you do back like, then? Who was your least favorite disciple? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. What is something you would tell your 16 year old self about life that you've learned along the way? Anything? Um, that. Um, that it's okay that the things that you think are what separates you are the things that make you special Um, so just try to beat everyone if, <laughs> beat everyone beat everyone that's a great advice if, if beat you're, everyone like, if you're the best people can't say shit <laughs> <laughs> no one talks well people do talk bad about Beyonce but they can't really exactly. talk bad about like, like people are like yeah but you have no validation yeah, to say like, anything negative about this woman at that point it doesn't matter like there's like a force field of greatness that, around like, her cancel. yeah I'm like it is what it is anything she does it's like she can eat a banana and it's done so gracefully <laughs> goals <laughs> um, if you could snap your fingers and have one thing for the rest of your life what would that be it can be emotions it can be a thing it could be a mindset a certain type of body anything um, emotional freedom for black people okay for you though um, for me I would say um, lots and lots of money so I can help black people <laughs> <laughs> emotional freedom for black people and lots and lots of money so that you can help black people yeah. I like that so we've been uh, trapped by money trapped oh my <laughs> god I'm telling you right <laughs> Uh, so tell us where we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on the Instagram. On the Instagram. Dwayne K. Perkins. That's the D-E-W-A-Y-N-E-K Perkins. Uh, you can find me on at, on the Twitter at Dwayne Perkins. That's D-E-W-Y-N-E Perkins. Um, yeah. Or you can go to my website, DwaynePerkins.com. Just Dwayne Perkins, but be sure it's D-E because there's another comedian named Dwayne Perkins, but it's D-W. So like, don't put D-W, put D-E-W. D-E. Yeah, D-E. D-E. Like D-E. do? Like, like Mountain Dew? Yeah, like do. But then Ain. <laughs> Duane. Duane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Duane, for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Um, thank all my listeners for constantly listening. You guys are amazing. You've been listening to Kelly Talks. Be sure to check out my website, Kelly Howard, K-E-L-L-Y-E-H-O-W-A-R-D.com. More like Kanye, but Kel Yay. There go the timer. Done. Um, and I got some new stuff coming out, guys. I'm really, really excited. I started vlogging and it's pretty dope. And it's along the same lines of Kelly Talks, but it's some more, you know, be less petty content, all of that. So please make sure you guys go onto my YouTube channel and subscribe. It's the same thing, Kelly Howard. You guys have been amazing. And thank you for listening. I'm out. 
I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. Sometimes Kelly will say. 